Hi there, welcome back. I'm David Leach, uh, professor of creative nonfiction in the Department of Writing, and also the author of Chasing Utopia and Fatal Tide. And I'm Deborah Campbell. I'm a pr professor of creative nonfiction in the department, and I'm the author of This Heated Place and uh, A Disappearance in Damascus. Well, it's great to be back. I've just spent five days in the wilderness. Uh, and uh, we both sound so confident saying that phrase, creative nonfiction. Do you still hear it within quotation marks, though, Deborah? Yes, I do. And even when we use the short form CNF, I feel um, a little awkward about it. And I, you know, I had, uh, as we thought about uh, talking about creative nonfiction, I thought, well, I'm going to ask david what it means what is cnf david what is it well generally i spend the next term kind of evading a, a clear answer uh but a uh, funny story is is when i applied for this job many many moons ago 16 years ago i was a magazine editor and uh, a magazine writer and i saw this position come up at uvic where i'd been a student and i had also taught journalism and english composition for uh, an assistant professor in creative nonfiction. and at that point i had never heard the term used before and I had to call my kind of former boss Lynn Van Leuven uh, who was an instructor and says is is this what I do do I do this creative nonfiction he said yeah yeah I think so uh, I mean I, I always thought of myself more as a magazine writer or a feature writer or a profile writer or occasionally uh, an essay writer so I had to kind of come out here fly out from Toronto and fake my way into uh, a, a job with uh, pretending that I was a, an authority in a creative nonfiction which involved a lot of kind of research and, and since then I think it's been uh, a journey to fully understand and appreciate and then articulate for student writers uh, what creative nonfiction is. Uh, it's, it's a bit evasive, but for me, it's, it's um, I think we talked about it as being the least bad word to describe this genre of writing that isn't fiction, that is, is fact-based, that's drawing from uh, real experiences, either the author's own or somebody else's, historical or contemporary, and then retelling them in um, I don't know, more of a narrative-driven style, uh, more of a personal voice, something that kind of stands out from standard forms of nonfiction that are more interested in just conveying raw information, whether it's business writing or journalism or uh, those other forms of nonfiction. I don't know if that's a definition, but that's, that's sort of my, my, where I am in my journey to understand a creative nonfiction. What about yourself? When you're, when you're cornered at a cocktail party and, and somebody asks, what do you do? And you say you're a professor of creative nonfiction and their eyebrow cocks up uh, and they say, what is that? How do you reply? Yes. Well, I mean, I have the same trouble you do. You know, when you applied for uh, to be a professor of creative nonfiction, you'd already, as you said, written features, profiles, magazine stories. All of these are terms that sort of fit under this really huge tent, this big umbrella called uh, creative nonfiction. Um, I think that the best definition that I've seen is one used by Lee Gutkin, who's a scholar of creative nonfiction, and he just says it's true stories well told. 
and uh, that's that's sort of vague enough i think to to encompass some of this uh these big umbrella terms um i i like to collect terms for this uh and i've got uh i've got if you'll indulge me i have a list of other terms and some of them i might use so i i might say i'm a narrative non-fiction writer so uh, that's my, that's my next favorite one and maybe and sometimes my favorite one mm -hmm, because narrative people understand well storytelling but then you have to really unpack narrative uh, and, and then you have it. the lyric essayists who say, whoa, 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 I'm not about narrative. I'm about kind of the poetry of nonfiction. So it leaves them out. Exactly. Right. So you've got that trouble. And what about, say, oral histories? You know, is that narrative? I mean, maybe it's one person's story. So you could say that it's it's narrative. Um, so creative works well uh, as the kind of nonfiction. And then even having to say nonfiction means it's not fiction. So um, it doesn't have a sort of positive uh, word. It has a negative word. It's not something. Mm -hmm. um, so it, we twist ourselves up trying to define what it is. Um, I'm going to give you some of these, these strange terms I've gathered. So narrative nonfiction, I'd say that's one of my favorites. Literary journalism fits underneath this umbrella. Um, these are the public facing types of, you know, go out into the world, find out, talk to people, that sort of thing. Um, and then there's all kinds of things that fit under literary journalism, like immersion journalism, diving deep into a place, maybe living there or following people around. And uh, one that uh, I, I admire uh, and kind of enjoy reading is gonzo journalism, you know, usually usually connected to Hunter S. Thompson. Um, I always tell my students, um, you know, you don't have to do what he did, essentially, right? You can go and have fun without, uh, you know. Frying your brain. Exactly, exactly. You need your brain at some point um, when you're going to sit down and, and write it down. Um, in the 70s, they came up with this term new journalism uh, to define this really voice-driven, maybe a little more exciting than anything that they'd seen before. Uh, different perspectives. Um, and so it still gets called new journalism sometimes, even though well, it's a pretty old term now. Um, and reportage, I don't mind that one. It's because it's, it's French. I think I like it a little bit. Um, and then some people say I write long form. I and mean, what is long form? Long form just means long as opposed to 700 word uh, newspaper articles, you're writing maybe a 5,000 word article for the Atlantic or something. So that's what, that's what long form means. It, it's, a, it's applying to literary journalism or narrative nonfiction. And uh, what else have we got here? Uh, literary nonfiction. I was gonna say well, literary nonfiction kind of fits in Yeah, there. yeah, literary. Um, and uh, literary meaning that creative side, that storytelling side, like we're saying with narrative. Um, writerly nonfiction, I've seen witness literature. I mean, maybe that's a little bit um, uh, ostentatious, but um, you know, it's it's going out and looking at something. So these are the sort of public-facing sides of of this big tent. There's, there's, there's one. There's one. Do you know what the worst one I've ever come across with? No. The combination of fact and fiction techniques into something called faction. Which, Back, oh, great. Which of great. thankfully has never really caught on. Yeah, it sounds like something that you do on the stove. Exactly. You, you faction something. Um, yeah. 
so there's there's all these terms and they're 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 often interchangeable, but there are also these nuances. Gonzo I see as a little wilder, for example, than you know plain old literary journalism. Um, but they're they're similar, they're related. And then there's the sort of private facing or more internal, or I guess what I'm saying is where you get your material from your own experience, and that could be memoir. Uh, some people think that memoir is just uh, stuff I remember, but it's often reported too. So you can have reported memoir uh, when you go and find out about those memories you used to have, go back to those places. Or personal journalism is another term that I've seen applied for, for memoir. And autobiography, which tends to be a little bit uh, sort of cradle to grave, you know, or uh, up till the age you are now. Um, and uh, memoir might be more like a slice of your life, a slice of life. Um, and uh, the personal essay, which tends to be more uh, about the thinking on the page. Uh, so it might not, uh, might only, it might only use your memoir, your personal story, but for uh, a specific uh, focus, uh, ex a personal exploration that you're doing. And then you, you, you mentioned the lyric essay, these beautiful poetic essays. And then I think about, you know, critical essays or criti critical writing or criticism. A lot of essays that we read in, um, you know, the Times Literary Supplement or any place like that are, you know, not necessarily telling people's personal stories, um, but they're, they're, they're essays that are exploring big ideas, pulling in and going into the public facing. They're pulling in stuff from the outside, things they've read elsewhere, experiences they have to explore big ideas. And then, uh, you know, there's other terms that aren't even fitting here quite, like biography, the story of someone else. Travelogues, um, sort of writing about your travels, which you've done a lot of. Mm-hmm. Travel, travel writing, one of my favorite genres. Adventure, adventure travel. You know, you've you've uh, done that kind of thing too. And uh, narrative history, so telling a story about the past, uh, but making it feel vivid, like someone's already there. So there's all these terms, and and yeah, I haven't really come up with anything better than creative nonfiction. I, I was uh, once the president and vice president of an organization called the Creative Nonfiction uh, Collective, which which uh, reached a certain point where they decided and, and they came together because they felt in Canada in particular, uh, creative nonfiction was overlooked uh, in the literary landscape that uh, the media attention and the awards all went to especially fiction and maybe a little less so uh, poetry. I mean, everybody knew like the great Canadian fiction writers, but non uh, not non-fiction so they were a bit of a, a lobbying group but at a certain point they all agree that it's like oh just we, nobody really knows what creative non-fiction is and we, we all kind of hate it and they did this big year-long process to kind of ask libraries what terms they use and look at awards uh, uh, agencies and what terms they uh, used and look at university uh, writing programs and what terms they use because creative non-fiction is really an, uh, as you noted uh, an, an, another American uh, import that it that it that Lee Goodkin mm. is the one who really started promoting it uh, when he actually began a course teaching creative nonfiction in back in 1973 at the New University of of uh, Pittsburgh and again facing kind of pushback from his own colleagues who thought well nonfiction isn't really uh, literature and then then in 1993 he he founded the journal Creative Nonfiction to kind of exclusively publish uh, these forms of of um, literary uh, 
nonfiction, and I think it was, it was either GQ or Esquire described him um, sarcastically as the godfather of creative nonfiction. He, he's since worn that as a mantle. Uh, so creative nonfiction, much more common term in the, in the States and Canada, but that's just a long way of saying we went around and had all of these uh, debates and then, and then finally kind of threw up our hands and, and declared, well, we can't really find uh, a better term for it. And part of it is because it is a big uh, umbrella. It can contain things that are more kind of fact-based and, and uh, something like John Hershey's Hiroshima, in which he's kind of this deeply reported uh, account of the aftermath of the atomic uh, bombings, like a real kind of act of literary journalism, and others that are, as you mentioned, kind of like the lyric essay or experimental forms like the, the hermit uh, crab essay that operate on a much more poetic logic that aren't uh, interested in these kind of uh, plot devices or characterization in, in a traditional sense and are, are operating more around imagery, yet still have a, a foot uh, in that factual uh, world, just more internal than than external, and a creative nonfiction at least can can capture that. But I think there's often a tension from the people. I think like myself and yourself who come at it originally from a journalistic perspective, and others who come at it from a more memoir perspective. But at least creative nonfiction allows us to kind of meet and and discover some common ground. And I found myself moving more and more towards memoir and and uh, essay in my own writing partly because I can't get out and, and do adventures as much as I as I used to. And even when you are doing um, writing memoir, uh, sometimes it's even even if you're doing literary journalism, for example, you're often bringing your personal experience into it. So it, maybe it's participatory journalism where you're, for example, with Chasing Utopia, your story was not just the motivation, but the lens through which the reader uh, gets to go into the places that you're that you're writing about. And, yeah, and even you know, in the it process, it also allows for a lot of enter entertainment value. Well, and that, and that was an interesting funny, in, the, right? in, in the process of writing it. I had done all of this research, and the first drafts were much more journalistic, kind of telling other people's stories. And it was actually grad students of mine who kind of read it, and they said, "Oh, we want more young David. We more want more of that kind of memoir part. This is a person who kind of brings some humor and perspective, and a, a kind of comic note to it. So finding that balance uh, within it, and kind of making the nonfiction." that existed in fact a bit more creative in in that, in that sense so that's a that's a good example of even a kind of book that shifted across the spectrum from more pure nonfiction to more creative nonfiction and memoir during the actual writing process and it also uh, as your as your grad students wisely pointed out it just made it fun to read and uh, and I think uh, that that highlights the importance of the, the entertainment value of creative nonfiction. I mean, often we go to straight journalism for, for, for information, pure and simple, but there's something about creative nonfiction that allows us to maybe convey some really um, important information, some facts, but to do it, to wrap it into a compelling story so that the reader can't, can't put it down. And, uh, and that's where a lot of the art, I think, comes comes into it yeah um, there's room there's, there's room a, i think for a voice in there i mean think of authors like david sedaris or joan didion who have such distinct voices that come through on the page often wry and ironic like uh, didion or quite hilarious and self-deprecatory like uh david sedaris so mm -hmm, the sort of thing that you're never going to see in the 
section of the newspaper. Um, one of the the nonfiction writers in the in the states is uh, John McPhee, and he he teaches creative nonfiction, and he struggles to define it. And one of the quotes that I love from one of his essays in the New Yorker is um, is is uh, relating to this. He says, "What is creative about nonfiction? It takes a whole semester to try to answer that, and it does, as as uh, our at students least, learn. At least, um, but here here are a few points." Yeah, exactly. Here are a few points. This is what he says. The creativity lies in what you choose to write about, how you go about doing it. So the approach that you take, whether you're going to jump into it, gonzo style, or, you know, go and witness it or read back on your old student journals. Um, the arrangement through which you present things. So he's talking about structure here. Uh, the skill and the touch with which you describe people and succeed in developing them as characters. So he's talking about the people who, who populate your stories. The rhythms of your prose, that's that lyricism we're talking about, that voice. The integrity of the composition, so how it hangs together. Uh, the anatomy of the piece asks, does it get up and walk around on its own? Uh, the extent to which you see and tell the story that exists in your material. He says, creative nonfiction is not uh, making something up, but making the most of what you have. So that's, that. from the, that's from the mouth of the expert. Yeah, I love that quote. I've got, I've got kind of uh, one as well that I like as well from Annie Dillard, who of course kind of comes at it from the other side as this essayist and even uh, a lyric essayist. Uh, at time as well. I mean, really, the uh, it's hard to pick up an American anthology without finding one of her essays uh, in it. And she she writes about the sense of discovery as, uh, of kind of coming from poetry in, into uh, nonfiction prose and realizing that she doesn't have to get and give anything up. She writes, I was delighted to find that nonfiction prose can also carry meaning in its structures and like poetry can tolerate all sorts of figurative language as well as alliteration and even rhyme. The range of rhythms in prose is larger and grander than it is in poetry, and it can handle discursive ideas and plain information as well as character and story. It can do everything. I felt as though I had switched from a single reed instrument to a full orchestra. Mm. Well put. Maybe one last kind of a metaphor that I like, and I, again, it comes from my mentor, Lynn Van uh, Leuven, who, who taught for years and really helped to kind of found uh, the, the nonfiction program, at least the creative nonfiction. The nonfiction existed before, but she kind of gave it the same prominence uh, as, as fiction and poetry and drama have in our department, described it in an uh, introduction to one of her anthologies as a magpie genre. And if you know the, the bird, the magpie, it kind of steals different objects, shiny objects, bits and pieces to build its own nest. And I think that's what the creative nonfiction author does in, in, in Lynn's vision of, of picking di uh, different bits and pieces pieces from different genres, uh, even and taking kind of personal reflection and research and, and kind of piecing it together into this beautiful new uh, home. Uh, so yeah, it's, that's a metaphor that's always uh, stuck with me as, as kind of apt for the genre within which we work. One of the, one of the similar uh, uh, thought that way is something from Richard Kapuczynski, who's sort of the great Polish 
research, a literary journalist, and he said about the kind of work he does, uh, writing he does, it, that he calls it the blurred genre. Oh, nice. uh, it's, a, it's a hard one to define. Uh, he also calls it uh, the forest of things. He said it's the things you see by going out, going out into the forest, and it's how do, how do you put that together on the page? Um, so it's it's uh, it's similar, but I really like that magpie genre. So one one question for you before we wrap up is why write CNF? I mean, you have fiction, you have poetry. These are well established. They've been around for a lot longer than creative nonfiction, which is more or less a 20th century genre. And a lot of it came up through magazines, uh, really in terms of finding a way to, to make writers a living. Um, why, why write CNF? I think that's an excellent question. Well, I'll answer it in two ways. Uh, one is kind of my journey of, of discovery again. I mean, I actually came to UVic as an undergraduate, as, as most of our students did, to, to uh, uh, study creative writing, thinking that I wanted to be um, a fiction writer. I mean, fiction was the big thing. I loved kind of reading fiction and writing fiction. I did Writing 100, which at the time only had fiction, stage drama, and poetry. And I, I, I wrote a story and got it published in my first year. I wrote poetry and really loved poetry. Wrote a truly, truly awful stage play and, and realized that I can't write very good uh, dialogue. I'm there, but there wasn't creative nonfiction to do there, so it wasn't even... Uh, um, in my kind of purview, though I did start, uh, two things happened. One, I volunteered at the Martlet and, and started writing arts writing and reviews and book reviews and stuff like that. And, and kind of got hooked on uh, seeing my byline, that kind of instant, almost instant gratification of turning something around and seeing it in print and, and getting a feedback. Uh, and I went from there into Monday Magazine that allowed a more creative freedom. Uh, but even before that, I, I answered kind of a volunteer job at uh, to go to um, uh, an elder care home in Victoria and they were looking for life review volunteers and it involved just kind of going to these elderly residents who were often away from their families and interviewing them in their rooms over kind of multiple occasions and and listening to their stories and then trying to kind of write a little cohesive mini biography that they could share with their families or the nurses who worked with them to understand. And these were like amazing stories. One fellow whose family had fled across uh, Siberia uh, after the, the end of the war, and I think I mentioned to you once, kind of talking to a man who had kind of fought in the trenches of World War One, not two, World War uh, One, uh, and I just kind of realized, well, there's other people have some much more interesting stories to tell uh, than, than I do. So that kind of wonder at the stories that are out there and that, that kind of freedom that creative nonfiction. The kind, of, the kind of thing where you can say, you can't make this up. You can't make this up, exactly. But you can, you suddenly have this license to kind of go around and ask people uh, both their life stories and, and their personal uh, stories as well, which felt like such a, such a privilege and a responsibility. And uh, I, I really uh, got hooked on that. And at the same time, and this is the pitch I think I made um, it, for my job proposal, I don't think uh, creative nonfiction is a new term for a very, very 
old genre and in perhaps perhaps the oldest of of genres it certainly predates uh drama and in theater i mean it goes back to those original uh around the fire tales i mean if you, this cave paintings of lescow are likely kind of graphic novel versions of creative nonfiction, telling the stories of mm. of of the tribe it, it was kind of the genre when there was kind of one ur genre of kind of poetry and fiction and nonfiction and, and spoken word drama all kind of formed together before this kind of big bang uh, let them kind of explode and kind of go off into these weird little things that we've labeled uh, genres. So so I, I think it allows us to kind of almost return to that, that primal uh, narrative uh, nonfiction telling, uh, making sense of our wor world through words. How about yourself? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I'm glad you gave uh, that uh, old history as well, because we do think of CNF as being fairly new through the, through the proliferation of magazines in the mid-century of, of the last one. Um, well, you know, very similar to you, I, I landed in a creative writing course. It was fiction. I had uh, spent uh, more of my undergrad studying and living abroad in Paris and Tel Aviv and studying things like political science and history. And I was very interested in languages and literature. And, and so when it came to writing, I just assumed writing was fiction. And I wrote some really, really bad short stories. Um, I wrote some okay poetry. I'd been writing poetry since high school. And I actually think poetry is probably the genre that's closest to nonfiction because a lot of poetry is nonfiction, except with the wonderful thing called plausible deniability. <laughs> nobody knows if it's true or not, and nobody fact checks you. Um, but I landed uh, in a creative writing class, and then I ended up uh, going and studying creative writing at UBC, took uh, one nonfiction class, CNF, just out of curiosity, and I realized I can bring in all the things I think about, all, all the things that interest me, all the things I've experienced, and all the things I've witnessed, and I can go out and witness more of them, and talk to people, and have the excuse to ask incredibly nosy questions um, that otherwise would have me labeled, you know, um, well, nosy at best, right? Perhaps the restraining order would be uh, would be around the bend. Um, but I could go and follow people around, talk to them, and then I had all this wonderful material that fascinated me, and I could figure out what this strange, wonderful life that we're living, what it means, what these things mean. And I think reality is just so rich and so interesting. And especially these strange times we live in now where we're looking for someone to pin a little bit of reality to the page. I think that's that's our job to, to bring some truth to, uh, to a situation, even if those are just private truths, even if they're small truths, even if they're the truths of what life was like for that man who lived through World War one um, and what were the small details I'm always those little details they really um, have a kind of resonance for me and so that's uh, that's how I got started and that's why I think um, in these in these strange and confusing times um, we still have stories all around us and they help they help us to bring meaning uh, so that's why I think CNF 
uh, appeals to me. Great. Well, I think that's a perfect place to to uh, stop to think of ourselves as magpies in this this forest of these strange times, uh, piecing together uh, stories. Well, and and then it leads naturally, I think, into our next uh, discussion that we'll kind of talk about later on what is literary journalism as well, and all of the various uh, subgenres of creative nonfiction. I don't know if we have enough time in the term to kind of, uh, kind of microscopically look at them all, but there, there's several key ones that we can talk about more. Well, thank you again for your uh, time, Deborah. It's always a delight to chat about these topics. Thank you, David. All right, all the best.